The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber has the morning off. Dow's down three straight, uh, longest streak since June, and a down day today would make it the longest since February. Futures are red, while jobless claims are back above one million. Our roadmap begins with concerns about the recovery as the Fed warns on virus risks. Earnings, NVIDIA, Alibaba, L Brands, Estee Lauder. There's a lot to watch this morning. And an Airbnb IPO is now officially in the works. So, Jim, we could go many directions here, but uh, you were just talking with Becky about claims and yeah. this ongoing narrative that we've been focusing on. That is the split between public companies and uh, smaller businesses. Absolutely. I mean, when you keep thinking about what Target said yesterday, Brian Cornell with just a tour de force performance, many upgrade, many, many, many price target pumps today, talking about taking $5 billion in share. Well, you know he took it from somebody and it's certainly not taking it from Amazon. I keep thinking about that number. Why? Because that's the $5 billion that probably would have gone into the smaller companies that don't trade or the companies that have had to file bankruptcy and are laying people off. I think we're starting to see layoffs after a period where we didn't. And uh, I call to attention Estee Lauder, which is on tonight, delaying off 2,000 people. When you have a tough economy, you don't expect that uh, that perfume or uh, that skincare gets hurt. I mean, historically, lipstick uh, is supposed to be sold. You do better sales when things are weaker. We're not getting that. And so what I'm seeing is, is, is Carl, is a picture which just says we're ripe for stimulus, but nobody's talking. Yeah, Jim, that's interesting. Um, I mean, there's the Estee Lauder layoffs, American dropping 15 markets, which we'll talk about later on. The Journal's got a chart of companies writing down assets, the level of pre-tax impairment charges at the fastest pace since 2015. And it's only halfway through the year. But but COVID cases are literally collapsing in a lot of those states that were troubled in the South. Shouldn't this be going the other direction? Yes, it should be. But I think that, they're, that one of the reasons why they're collapsing is because the governments have become very aggressive in a state-by-state way of making it so that a lot of the businesses that we used to like and, uh, and enjoy, uh, restaurants, uh, bars, uh, uh, gyms, uh, are uh, being shut down or being curtailed. I mean, this new thing that's happened, Carl, it used to be that maybe you're going to have to take half the tables out. No, now the new rap that you're getting is you can only have 25% of the people that you used to have. Well, who knows what the hell that number is? I mean, you can only have five men in the men's room. Okay, you go tell the sixth dude that he's out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare myself that aggravation. We are right now beginning to realize that the pandemic has recessionary impact that we hadn't thought about because, of course, 70% of the people who are getting that extra $400, $600 who are now uh, hopefully get 400 probably won't, 
were making more money right. than they were at their job. So there's more spend, uh, but that spend seems to be tapering off. And, and that's the, something that we're not ready for. And that's what the claims say. And that's what the companies are saying. And we better start recognizing that this market is going up. 25% of, this, of the S&P are, are just a handful of tech companies that are relatively immune. And then there's the banks, and then there's the companies that we don't trade, and they're looking wrong. The banks are a reflection, by the way, of the small business right. problems. Yeah. Um, so, Jim, do the, does the claims number this morning build any urgency? You just heard Mark Warner talking about the possibility of a, uh, a skinny deal uh, this weekend. And, and secondly, do you believe that the sell-off yesterday was truly driven by some of the caveats that the Fed had in their minutes? Look, I think the caveats made it so that people said, wait a second, the good news of what we heard from Target and Lowe's uh, is not as important as the bad news is what we heard. Now, Lowe's didn't have any slowdown in August. They did a fantastic job. But uh, people just kind of felt, well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's maybe that's we're done. And maybe the Fed is worried that they're done. And those, those minutes wouldn't have looked like they were, even if we had a skinny deal. I don't know. When I reached out to Secretary Pelosi to come on the show, because I think that if you have Secretary Mnuchin, you should have, I'm sorry, you should have Speaker Pelosi on. Speaker Pelosi was in California and unavailable. Uh, that's you know, people get unavailable. They got a convention to go to, but it, it just doesn't sound. How do you do a deal unless uh, unless Speaker Pelosi comes back to work in Washington? She's working out there. Uh, I don't know. We need a deal. Uh, both sides need a deal. I don't even know. I mean, some people are being uh, too clever by half, thinking that no deal hurts the Democrats, no deal hurts the Republicans. I think sure. you and I are. No deal hurts what we talk about, which is the economy. Right. There is, though, Jim, the ongoing discussion about. Okay, we spent two trillion. It bought us about four months' time. Now we're going to spend, I don't know, what a trillion, maybe half a trillion. How many months does that get us? Two? A month? I mean, that's that's going to be the question going into the fall. Absolutely. That's why I've said over and over again to both sides, look, you've got to make this so that it's open-ended. You've got to make it so we have something that gets us to the vaccine. No one wants to relate directly why we have this problem. It's not because of a slowdown. It's because of COVID-19. So, you know, what are you going to do? You're just going to say, like, every two months, let's have something? No, let's make things contingent. Until we get a vaccine, we're going to continue to give extra money. Now, I absolutely understand that the, the budget deficit, and you can talk about the budget deficit forever. I'm talking about this, the republic, the society. Because there's so many people, 15 million in the restaurant business alone, these people cannot have jobs, but they're not going to go become carpenters. Yes, lumber's up. And yes, we need more homes. But you're not going to take a waiter at Bar San Miguel and have that person work at Toll Brothers hammering nails. It doesn't work that way. We wish it did. We wish everybody was fungible. Okay, and we're grateful that oil's at 42. So that part of the economy's not turning off. But we also listened to Phil LeBeau yesterday saying good news about Southwest. And then we get American today. And I'm thinking, wait a second, don't get too optimistic. And I think it's our nature to want to be optimistic. We like the fact that the market's going higher because our viewers own stocks. But right now we seem uh, gassed. We seem gassed. And and I think that uh, when you get a number like that was this great, and I know we're going to talk about it, is NVIDIA, and it sells off anyway, that's much more a reflection of the stock market than it is the reflection of NVIDIA. Because uh, that that conference call last great night, which I had to read three times because uh, uh, Jensen Wong is so much smarter than I am. Uh, But wow. I mean, they (laughs) have. I mean, there was a point. I sent them a note last night. I said, guys, did you really say that the A100, which is their super, has 54 billion? Did you mean billion transistors or did you mean million? Billion. I can't. Who is there someone who really needs that? And the answer is Amazon, Google, 
uh, maybe Oracle because they're in the mix. Azure. These guys are so far ahead of everybody else. But, you know, people just say, eh, Jensen's such I mean, I need a yeah. translator because like he speaks he speaks in 2040, <laughs> 2050 language. And I'm stuck in this 2020 thing. And I do love him dearly. And I love the CFO Colette Crest, but they're too smart. Remember the kids in class that you said, I don't want to be in that class. There's there's Jensen Wong. Well, that's Jen. You don't want to be in his class because he's going to ruin your curve. Look at him. Will the you? leather jacket, uh, the, 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 the trademark leather. Jim, you, you, were, you were absolutely right going into the print. You said expectations were elevated, uh, even though gaming and data center uh, were strong. I mean, B of A does go to 600 today uh, from 520. So uh, where are we in terms of evaluating the response to the print? Well, let's see. We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Price targets raised. 17. 17, most that I've seen. So I say uh, that right now you put NVIDIA, uh, you, you make it so that uh, it's on your shopping list. When you think the selling is over, reach for that first, because that may be a new world record, 17 price target bu- uh, bumps. And everyone feels the same way. Yeah. They're like, gaming was so strong, but data center. I mean, these people are putting on numbers in, in the midst of a recession that, that, frankly, if I were a CEO at any other company, I'd be calling a Zoom meeting right now saying, why can't we do numbers like Jensen Wong? Why can't we do numbers like him? And the answer is because he's smarter than you. Sometimes it's just firepower. Uh- yeah, yeah. And then, of course, uh, there's Intel, Jim, a $10 billion buyback resumption after suspending it in March. They say the stock is cheap. Yeah. Uh, FT with a figure today, Jim. We knew buybacks were going to be troubled this year, but down 46 in Q2, uh, which is the lowest levels in about, what, eight years. Um, are, we be- are we beginning to see some renewed interest, at least from companies who feel they need it to resume buybacks? Uh, I'm still getting the we're, we, it, that it's reckless to buy comments when I speak offline to CEOs. I think it's curious Intel announces the buyback. What was Intel's problem? They don't have this 7 nanometer, this smaller chip uh, that that uh, AMD has. And this is kind of like Charlie the Tuna for those of us who are older. You know, we don't want tuna, tuna with good taste and buyback. We, you know, we want tuna that tastes good, which is, of course, uh, AMD, I would not buy Intel on this buyback. Let them buy back all the stock they want. Give me a seven nanometer and I'll buy your stock. I mean, that, that's what again, so you think. We, all right. So you I don't want it. Yeah. You agree with the notion that the buyback is great, but manufacturing remains the focus. This is not the Intel of old. And I am no longer an Intel because they're not giving me anything to drink. I mean, this thing is extraordinary. I used to go to their plants, and they were exactly the same way. A guy named Jerry Parker designed them all the same way. So he even knew where the closet was if you went to the Irish one versus the one that would, that would be uh, in Silicon Valley versus the one that's in Israel. And, and now it's like, you know, they're just not, they're not who they were. The big ones that are great, it's NVIDIA, it's AMD, and it's Taiwan Semi. And then you got Lam Research, KLA 10 Core, Applied Materials. These are great companies. Micron, obviously, a little bit too commodity-oriented. Uh, I do think that Arm, which was mentioned on the call, but only pro, uh, just, I would say, provisionally uh, on NVIDIA is a great company. But no, I mean, I love Skyworks, but it goes into cell phones. And I, I love analog devices, but it's got too much auto. Uh, there are little flaws around the edges, but they have a lot of money. And, but they don't want to buy back stock. They want to grow. And I think that that's the difference between right. Intel and the rest of the group. Jim, it reminds me, you know, we're talking about a a lot of names on the NDX, which, uh, despite the new highs, has seen breadth deteriorate 
for several weeks now. And I wonder if you think that's concerning. Is it just a function of of what COVID has brought to technology? Is there something larger at work? I, I think it's very disconcerting. I mean, what you have, remember, the S&P is barely, uh, you could argue it's not diversified anymore if five companies represent 25% of it. The same five companies represent 50% of the QQQ. That is extraordinary. Now, every one of those companies, I think, deserves what they're doing. But how about the other guys? I mean, a lot of companies that are in that, uh, that in general, are in that index cater to small business. And the small business is dropping off rather quickly. Uh, it is, it's, it's a tough thing to watch because we all kind of know it. Um, yeah, there's a place, I'm going to be a little anecdotal for a second, there's a place called The Cupping Room, which was a place that I used to go to all the time when I, in my halcyon days. And it closed. It just closed. These institutions. Institutions in each city are closing because they're, they were not built to have 25% of their customers and still make money. And I think we all know this. We see places we love go, and we're not switching to Olive Garden, even though I, I happen to have a predilection for Olive Garden or, or Chili's, which is doing quite well. Uh, a Chipotle, you know, with wings, a, a Domino's pizza with a pedestal. Yes. But, you know, Carl, we, we do not live by chain stores, restaurants alone. Yep, yep. You know that firsthand. But, Jim, it, that sort of brings us back to the bearish argument we got on UPS and FedEx Five months ago, and that it was B2B, going to crater, uh, look out below, and then look what happened. I mean, there's business is so good, they're going to bring surcharges come a holiday season. But you're saying it's different when you can get things delivered at home. There's no substitute no, for I some mean, of these uh, other B2B dynamics. No, and I, I think that Brian Cornell undersold ship. That's S-H-I-P-T and how great that is. Uh, bringing the stuff in an hour. Carol Tomei has been uh, CEO of UPS, has been uncharacter- uncharacteristically quiet, but she's uh She's just learning the ropes. FedEx is one of the great turnarounds. Uh, people that stock quietly has gone from 140 all the way up. And what I, I look, look, those companies are the new economy. And e-commerce is so powerful. And the, the thing that is we, we got to stay uh, focused on Square and on Etsy and on Shopify, because the part of the economy that is strong in small business are the ones that have transitioned and digitized to the web. And you get their stuff uh, by the mail, by FedEx and by UPS. Yeah, Jim, there's, wow, the cross currents, really hard to read, yeah, uh, especially going in uh, to the latter part of August. When we come back, we'll talk more about that American announcement uh, today, which markets are no longer going to have service at least for a month, beginning in October as they await further stimulus. Futures are weak, as we said. Dow shooting for four days down would be the longest since February. Back in a minute. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. American Airlines says it will suspend service to 15 markets beginning in October, at least for a month. Phil LeBeau has some of the cities. Hey, Phil. Hey, Carl. We knew this announcement was coming. This is American formally saying, you know what? We have to plan to become a smaller airline because we're not sure if there's going to be another $25 billion allocated in another stimulus package for the airlines to guarantee jobs. So as a result, starting on October 7th, American will stop service to 15 cities. What types of cities were we talking about? These are smaller, mid-sized markets. Now, we're not going to run down all of them, but here are a few. Kalamazoo, Michigan, Springfield, Illinois, Joplin, Missouri, and then there are 12 
12 other cities. And again, the idea from American at this point is if there's no extension, we will stop service to these cities and 12 others on October 7th, at least for at least for a month, well into uh, November. Then they'll reassess business at that point. As you take a look at the airline stocks pre-market, most of them under pressure this morning. Keep in mind that they're is a discussion in Congress about whether or not to award another $25 billion. CARES Act II, essentially, is what it comes down to. That would lock in the employees for all the way through the end of March. And approximately 75,000 layoffs would likely be avoided if this were to go through. Important to keep in mind here, guys, that part of this extension is not just guaranteeing those jobs, but also guaranteeing service. Because if there's no CARES Act, the airlines are then free to downsize their uh, their routes and their businesses. Phil, I look at those cities, and I think to myself, well, how many how many carriers really go to those cities? And if it's only going to be right. one now, it's going to you know go to Kalamazoo is going to cost as much as go to London. I mean, and the Congress people have to know this is going to occur. Yeah, it, it is going to be limited, and what you have right now is most of these cities, they only have one airline. They might have two airlines flying in there, and the changes that are going to be made is, uh, is the fact that you are looking at these cities and you're saying, are you going to have any service at all? Because you may not have any service, and that's what's going to get the people in Congress moving quickly. Nothing bothers them more, Jim, than when you say, there's no air service to your district. You see how quickly they move. And that's why there's basically both Democrats and Republicans in support of another $25 billion. Don't forget, guys, later on this afternoon, you don't want to miss this interview. Ed Bastian, CEO of Delta Airlines, will be joining us on the closing bell. We'll talk to Ed about the state of the uh, not only the airline business, but what's going on with another CARES Act extension. Don't be surprised if you see Delta, United, a number of the other airlines as they lock in their October schedules. If there's no CARES Act extension, you'll see more cities losing service starting in October. Wow. Uh, Phil, I'm looking. uh, Airline Flyers got a tweet about the cities that would have no commercial flights come October. Joplin among them, Dubuque, Stillwater, Oklahoma. No no commercial service in in 2020. And I and, and Carl, I've heard from people who have said, oh, come on, how many people are flying to Springfield, Illinois? They can fly to St. Louis or they can fly to Chicago <laughs> and they can drive down there. If you start taking it away from these smaller markets, you just can't ramp it back up and immediately say, well, OK, bring it back. I mean, it, it has a ripple effect that's going to be felt in not only those economies, but really in the whole airline infrastructure. All right, Phil, we'll watch that. Look forward to hearing from Bastion. Uh, there's a lot going on on the Delta side as well today. Uh, Phil, thanks very much. Well, Carl, I don't know, you Jim, need those where, stocks. Where, where are you conceptually on, on airline aid? This, we keep coming back to this discussion of which industries deserve specific help. Well, I think that we're getting now some uh, bifurcation. I mean, Carrie Kelly saying, look, Southwest is doing okay, and they've cut it, what, down to $17 million a day, burn it still. Sounds like a hideous amount of money. It'd take you all day to go to a chimney and burn it. Uh, but I do think that uh, this is a lead group. And yesterday when we saw the Polish Airlines buy a couple of Boeing planes, 737, got a little excited. We saw the Southwest News. And this just takes the air out of what is a key part of the economy. Don't forget, July uh, next year, July 31st, is when Salesforce says it's people can go back to work. What does that say? All those carriers need business travelers. Well, you know what? It's, it's Zoom 1, American United, Delta Southwest, JetBlue, zero. 
And I think that you're looking at uh, those those companies are being zoomed faster than you can talk about. I can't wait to hear what Ed says, Ed Bastian. Of course, Phil always gets. I mean, most people have to understand that if you had these numbers, none of these people would come on. Somehow, Phil gets people to come on. And it's because he's a great reporter. And they know not to dodge the guy. (laughs) It's so true, Jim. It is curious to to think about how the business model overall uh, of airlines works when companies don't need to buy a last-minute ticket from New York to L.A. for three grand, right? That, what happens then? It works the same way that a restaurant does. Not so great. Don't you love when you go get, you right. know, I love that let people go into the restaurant. Of course, they're not allowed to. But I love to query them about their temperature and put a thing to their head. And I love, did you go to Florida recently? I mean, hey, do you know anybody saying, it's like going to a hospital, going to a restaurant. I mean, in the end, you know what? I'd rather have some cereal. by General Mills. Uh, Jim, we got, we'll get to a lot more uh, today on a very busy Thursday. Talk more about what claims brought us. Uh, there's Estee Lauder we've not yet gotten to, BJ's and more. Future's still weak. Don't go away. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Let's get Kramer's Mad Dash for this Thursday watching some L Brands, Jim. Yeah, they ought to call it Lazarus Brands instead of L Brands. This is the old limited, and there is a groundswell of analysts saying you must buy this stock, including uh, my fave in the game, which is uh, Matthew Boss. Why? Because not only is Bath & Body Works back in there, the numbers really are quite spectacular, uh, uh, plus 13. But uh, Matt says, you know what? Even Victoria's Secret is making a comeback, which is... Uh, rather incredible because, of course, these are mall-based stores. So this thing has had a big move, but all the analysts who follow it say it is not over yet. I don't trust it. Why? Because I don't like the mall. I'd rather be in a Target. But, you know, geez, you can't fight the program. Yeah. uh, Bath Body does sell hand sanitizer, Jim. I know some pointed to that. Uh, Victoria is down 39, but I think e-commerce sort of offsets some of that, right? Right. And the go out is uh, better. You know, July numbers were good. And we're we're looking for companies that uh, where there is momentum. And this one has momentum. I know that a lot of people just say, are you kidding me? These are tired old brands and they're in the mall. Uh, This is a shocker. There are a lot of people who in the teens thought that this thing could uh, be a goner. It is clearly not a goner and Mm -hmm. it's got momentum. Um, Again, I'm not saying buy it, but the analysts sure are. Yeah. You mentioned Estee Lauder earlier, um, laying off up to uh, 2,000, closing 10 to 15 percent of their freestanding stores, Jim, speaking of the mall, um, you know, one analyst I saw this morning pointed out duty-free uh, is essentially uh, 
in hibernation, and that's a very high margin business. Yes, it's incredible. Uh, exactly. Fabrizio Fred will be on tonight and may have money. Uh, he's made a great business of, of duty free, and it's also fantastic because you can tell where the travelers come from. Uh, there's a heavy, heavy, by the way, Brazilian contingent and South Korean contingent. Obviously, they, uh, they've uh, really, well, Brazil's really cut back. You know, Carl, one of the things is that people, they think that they've got uh, skincare, which was strong, but, but they have fragrance. Fragrance was down. Hair care down. I mean, it, it was it was a suboptimal quarter. And Fabrizio Fred is the best there is. Uh, he, he has done a remarkable job for the company. I certainly would not count him out. But uh, also China's uh, coming back nicely. Uh, but this is unexpected. And I would say unexpected because a lot of yeah. people just feel like if anybody has it under control, it's Fabrizio. But you know what? Some of these brands are expensive. Uh, those who know these brands, uh, La Mer and, and by Killian, those were the standouts in, the, uh, in their portfolio. Yeah. Jim, let's get the opening bell here uh, and the S&P 500 heat map. That's going to be relatively weak breath uh, to start the morning, Jim. You mentioned China, and we now know that uh, China Commerce Ministry confirming that uh, those phase one progress talks will continue, at least on the phone. They're going to roll in Huawei and TikTok into that. Kudlow's on the tape right now saying that he's pleased with the progress of phase one uh, so far, uh, even making some comments here about Goodyear saying they should change their policy on political attire to ensure freedom of speech. That was a big story yesterday. Yeah. Um, but are you sensing any, I won't call it detente, Jim, but stabilization in what we were seeing uh, versus no. vis-a-vis U.S.-China? No. Uh, every day a story will come out. It'll be a, uh, institutions should be ready to delist uh, Chinese stocks. I wouldn't be surprised if they aren't working on something which says uh, behind the scenes that we don't have to cooperate with President Xi because why? President Xi's in trouble. That's a new narrative that came out this week. Now, I have no idea. I think it's so opaque. You don't know. You could never figure out where Stalin's lieutenants were and who, and who was in trouble in the Soviet, old Soviet Union. Uh, but that is the new thing. The new theme is why do we have to deal with Xi? He may not be as strong as we think. And that makes it so that mm. the president uh, feels very much he has the upper hand. Uh, I don't right. know. Again, we have no idea. This is not like the old days with Mao where you had some, uh, some people who were clearly going to be on the outs and then they were going to just go away. But uh, this, is a, this is something to keep track of, which is, is she in trouble? Now, uh, that makes it so that, it's, that the president is less likely to want to do anything with China. Yeah. Are you, also, this reporting on U.S. intelligence now believing that officials in Wuhan and Hubei uh, withheld the extent of COVID very early on from Beijing which makes the whole picture much more complicated, Jim, to your point about whether she has truly long-lasting staying power. Oh, yeah, look, I mean, one of the things, that, uh, one of the great undercurrents is that there are people in the White House who say that that whole delegation that came here on Trade, uh, trade Deal 1, uh, how many of them may have had COVID? Uh, how many of them knew about COVID? Now, uh, COVID is a novel virus, and every time you really want to indict people for it, you got to remember that we still don't have any real handle on, on what, uh, you know, where to, how to really take control of, uh, of the thing, other than through masks and social distancing. But I think it's fair. I, I, I think there are very few Americans who believe that the Chinese were forthcoming, uh, and that actually cuts in favor of the president versus the 172,000 died. Who I think a lot of presidents would be on the ropes because of that. But I think there's a lot of people who feel that the narrative that the Chinese were evildoers, uh, like Ronald Reagan used to say about the Russians, is holding up. And remember, I think this is going right. to this coming into a Cold War, just like Russia and Reagan, not like Russia and Truman, by the way, but Russia and Reagan. 
Right, right. Uh, still, Jim, uh, Alibaba did beat on the top and the bottom lines. Revenue up 34, cloud up 59. I, I assume there's no metric impressive enough to make you want to dip into those those types of names. Well, Baba is the, actually the only Chinese stock I'm recommending on Mad Money, and that's because when you read the financials, they read very much like U.S. financials. It's basically a very, very smart, well-run company stock's down, but I don't know if it's, it's, it's just profit-taking. Uh, when I look at uh, the 13 IPOs that have come this year from China, of which uh, half of them are uh, there's a lot of them that are down badly, but they're doing half as well as the U.S. ones. Uh, I come back and say, I don't know who buys these, but they're foolish uh, or they're just playing some game because it's always like, you know, here's the Chinese. I'm waiting for the Chinese hydrogen car stock. I mean, the Chinese play games with our stock market like nobody believes. And uh, people still are suckers and they come in and they buy the stocks and they think they're going to go up. Alibaba, Baidu, JD, they have great businesses. And I totally understand why someone mm-hmm. might want to buy them. But, you know, the, the, Japan, the Chinese this, the Chinese that reminds me of the Japanese in, in 1989 where they had everything in their market. Tokyo was bigger than New York. And just stay away. You had to stay away. I think you should stay away from the Chinese stocks. I think just stay away. Right. Uh, Jim, Apple, of course, was a big story yesterday uh, as we got the $2 trillion market cap even briefly. Today, Katie Huberty at uh, Morgan Stanley reiterates overweight, uh, 431 target on the used iPhone market, Jim, which she says has a long way to go before saturation. And her bull case argues that you could see Apple with emerging market share similar to that in developing markets, which would have huge implications for things like services. I, I would have felt better if she, if she bumped the price target. She's too disciplined for that. But what was interesting was she goes, those who think that the used market isn't as big as you think, well, look out. Well, I, I don't know if Saul was even worried about the used market. It was a straw man that she developed to make a good, good case for Apple. But Tim Cook will make an even better case because, yes, the service revenue stream from everybody is just very, very big. Remember, you get that bill at like 3 a.m., you know, I, it hits me. I say, oh, I just I, I didn't know I spent that much for Apple Plus. I mean, it is it is a machine and you pay for that machine without even knowing. it. And I, I love that kind of business. How about a business where you buy something every day and you didn't know you bought it? What a business. Now, that happens, although I don't know. I mean, how do you answer people who say, did we really build a trillion dollars in value over 21 weeks? Well, I think you'd say that. First of all, we know that there's no speeding tickets. This isn't the, this isn't I-95. It's not the Jersey Turnpike. Uh, what, what you tend to be able to say is the, the stock was undervalued to begin with. I did an interview with a fellow named Rob Moore about Tesla. I said good things about Tesla and about how it's a $350 billion company and NVIDIA is $300 billion. They're both tech companies. You can understand why it might be worth $350. And there were people who just think that suddenly Jim Cramer has a brain. Uh, if I said, I don't know, if I said it was worth $600, i would be the man with two brains. But there is, without a doubt, uh, an undercurrent <laughs> that some big cap stocks are very undervalued, and then the rest of the money, rest of the market, forget about it. I tried to make a positive case last night for autos. Uh, even the people who are in autos say that I look like I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a little too bullish. So people want the same old, same old over and over again. Uh, if Nvidia turns right, up right. today, by the way, then you know that there's no stop in the 300 billion and plus tech companies, and it wouldn't shock me. I mean, I think people waiting to get Nvidia for ages. Tesla. Right. Well, at, at this at, at this point, I mean, if, if we're if we're agreeing on the template, the choices are narrowing. Are, am I right? Or I mean, yes. the, that long awaited rotation to value, Jim, even with, as we said, the collapse in, in new daily case count, 
is is it's making it hard to materialize. Yeah. I mean, look, housing is done well. And one of the reasons I, I was talking to at home yesterday uh, to Mr. Bird, who's really terrific. This is a stock that was at one not that long ago. It's up 1,500 percent. Nice move. Obviously not a great move. if You're going down. And he's talking about you need houses with offices. And that is the spur that people don't realize. They can't get if they're in a, an apartment in the city. There's no room. There's no room for an office. So people are moving out. And that means you are, there's going to be a long demand, long tail for housing, because if you have a, a home office, it can't be in your bedroom. It, it, no one wants it there, especially because tw- when you're working at home, it's 24-7. Hence, while we're hearing from CEOs offline, I'm hearing the following. I love this work from home because everyone is working 24-7. I can send an email to six, some guy at 6 a.m. He can't say he's in the shower. I can send a woman an email at 11. She can't say she's watching Netflix. They are working because they <laughs> are working from home. And it's, it's this whole new generation of miserable people. Uh, horribly miserable people. <laughs> I mean, the pandemic. Do you know yes. anyone who's like happier in a pandemic? Hey, what a great pandemic. This is we got to have some more of these. Yeah, uh, Jim, I, I do want to get to Airbnb while we have time uh, filing confidentially for an IPO, setting the stage for what would be one of the marquee IPOs of the year. It wasn't that long ago that uh, Brian Chesky joined us and talked about the timing for a new issue. Here's what he said. At this point, it, 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 we're not ruling out going public this year, but we're not committing. Um, we want the world to be ready for Airbnb, and that means that travel needs to see a little bit more of a sustained recovery. The market needs to recover a bit. Well, uh, Jim, in July, they said customers booked a million nights for the first time since March. So we have seen a rebound, at least in the rental. Brian has a heart. I remember when he had to make those layoffs most recently, it was uh, grieving to him. But one of the things that I get is this uh, TREP, T-R-E-P-P, historical CMBS report. Actually, let's just call it English. Update on hotel commercial real estate. And they're saying that the percentage of loans that are 30 days or more delinquent is now 23.4%. That's the highest percentage on record. So Airbnb may be doing well. So then people say, well, people are traveling again. These hotel numbers are staggeringly horrible. So people are staying at Airbnb. B, maybe it's cheaper than a hotel with the that you can't have this many delinquent loans and expect the banks can rally. There's there's just too much money at stake. So Airbnb good, hotels not good. Yeah. We'll talk more about that issue, of course, later on. In the meantime, Jim, we are getting some news that uh, Steve Bannon has been arrested and what? indicted by the Manhattan U.S. Attorney, uh, federal prosecutors in Manhattan. For more on that, we'll get to our Eamon Javers. Hey, Eamon. Yeah, Carl, this news just coming out from the Southern District of New York saying that Steve Bannon and three other men uh, have been arrested and indicted uh, in charged in relation to their role uh, in a nonprofit organization called We Build the Wall. It's a crowdfunding organization that the SDNY says uh, has raised about $25 million uh, for wall-related funding. Uh, what the uh, indictment here is alleging is that Bannon and these others were skimming some of the proceeds from that fundraising for themselves, uh, even though they had suggested publicly that uh, this was a volunteer organization and they were not taking salaries. The indictment document here says that Bannon publicly stated, we are a volunteer organization. Those representations, the government says, were false. Uh, They also say that Steve Bannon 
through a nonprofit organization under his control, Nonprofit One, as it's referred to here in the document, received over $1 million from We Build the Wall, at least some of which they say Bannon used to cover hundreds of thousands of dollars in his own personal expenses. So, Carl, dramatic development here for a former high-ranking White House counselor. Uh, we'll see if the White House has uh, any statement on this uh, coming up this morning. Back over to wow. you. Wow. Carl, you can still donate. Your donations uh, have a direct impact. Right now, you can go to the site. Um, maybe it's ill-advised uh, it, to give I'm the looking money over, right Yeah, I'm looking over the, uh, the DOJ release right now, guys. Uh, the, as alleged, uh, they say, uh, the defendants defrauded hundreds of thousands of donors, capitalizing on their interest in funding a border wall to raise millions of dollars under the false pretense that all of that money would be spent on construction. Wow. How about uh, innocent till proven guilty? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we will see. The, the, uh, obviously, uh, the timing of it, Jim, given the, I mean, Biden's going to literally accept the nomination uh, tonight, but uh, it's from DOJ. Uh, so we'll have to see yeah. whether or not they give more clarity on it and, and the degree to which the White House will respond. It's shocking. Yeah, we've all come to know uh, Mr. Bannon coming on CNBC. And uh, this is some look. I, we can't even speculate. This is wow. Gotta, I got to read. The, I got to read the indictment. I mean, it's, it's that's serious stuff, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we got uh, the markets down, obviously. Dow down for a fourth day in a row. Oil is weak. Uh, let's get to Bob Bassani, see what's moving inside. Hey, Bob. Good morning, Carl. Happy Thursday, everybody. A uh, week open, four to one, declining to advancing stocks. And it really started yesterday around two o'clock Eastern when the Fed minutes came out. Very odd because Fed minutes normally not a market moving event, but it was yesterday. I think the concern here is and we've lost 30, 35 points since that uh, Fed minutes uh, came out yesterday. Uh, I think the tone around the reopening story for the Fed is a lot more pessimistic than the market's own narrative. And I think that's part of the problem. Jobless claims may have added to that uh, a little bit today. But if you look at the sectors, a uh, broad swath of sectors are fairly weak. Even the semiconductors, NVIDIA had a great report. So maybe some concerns about data centers, but they're down about 1%. Most of the other ones, except Intel, are down today. Banks and energy, industrials, a fairly wide swath to the downside. Only real estate uh, peeking its head out into positive territory. Uh, the rallies this month we've seen uh, in the travel and leisure stuff that we saw um, earlier starting to fade the last few days. Uh, so we've seen some weakness in the major names here at Carnival, United, Hyatt, uh, uh, Avis, of course, keeping an eye on all those names starting to fade. Speaking of travel and leisure, I know Jim mentioned the Airbnb thing, but I think this is very interesting that uh, the last valuation, this is a confidential filing, so we don't have any numbers of what they're floating here. But $18 billion is the April round of funding and the prior one. Prior to that was $31 billion. People said, my heavens, this is 40% lower. But that's not a big surprise here. Uh, you know, 40%, 50%. That's what all these travel and leisure stocks have been declining uh, from their recent highs. So if you look at just all the names, Royal Caribbean, any one of these uh, hosts, Southwest Air, the, all the airlines, all the hotels, they're all 40 50 60% off of their recent highs, most of which were hit in uh, February and March of uh, this year or, or January and February of this year. So not a lot of surprise here about the lower valuation. You'll notice all that talk about uh, what was going on with the direct listing. All that went away. I think they do need the money at this point. I think it's interesting. I know Jim mentioned the uh, Intel's program, but the $10 billion buyback program, it's interesting because we just haven't seen many of these buyback programs uh, at all here. Now, obviously, Bob Swan says that the company is trading below its intrinsic valuation. That's a fairly uh, obvious statement for the company to make. They've been 
notably underperforming since their July earnings and guidance report at the end of July, notably underperforming the whole semiconductor uh, group overall. But I think the important thing uh, is uh, just take a look at what's been going on here with the share count reductions. There's been half the amount of share buybacks this year then announced last year, about $90 billion in the second quarter. That's half what it was last year. And what we're seeing now is the share counts are no longer reducing. The buybacks are not reducing the share counts in the S&P anymore. Remember, share buybacks reduce the share counts if they're aggressive enough, and that makes the earnings look better. This has been a big feature for the S&P for years now. For the last four years, 2016, 17, 18, 19, the share counts have been going down on the S&P, and that's made the earnings look better. This year, it's not happening, and it's not happening because the buy Buybacks are not as big as they used to be, and companies are actually issuing more shares to have the liquidity. So all of this, uh, I'm bringing this up because Intel's a little bit of an anomaly with their announcement today, and they're trading uh, on the upside, one of the few semiconductors uh, that are. So let's keep an eye on whether buybacks make any kind of comeback later in the year. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob, thanks. It's been a busy morning of Ecodata. Rick Santelli brought us claims in Philly Fed. We'll get LEI in a bit. Hey, Rick. Yes. And, you know, most of the data was somewhat in the, the right zip code. We could debate, you know, definitely initial jobless claims reversed a bit, but that really shouldn't be shocking. And, and let's consider uh, many of the dynamics in place for the economy, as you'll see by the following charts, uh, didn't seem to pay a whole lot of attention, actually. Look at a one week of tenure. Now, we could debate as to what the motivation is, but exactly one week ago, we were a little bit above 72 basis points, and every session since has been lower yields, higher price. This is the fifth session in a row, as you see, and it isn't only here. And this is what's always interesting. There's so many different dynamics between what's going on here, China, Japan, Europe, whether it's the COVID, the economy, and the currency moves. But yet, look at the 30-year boon, which, by the way, had the best demand in an auction the other day, even though it was a small size compared to U.S. auctions, about $1.5 billion of 30-year boons. Well, it's also got, has its fifth session in a row where yields are moving down. But what's notable is last Thursday, it was in positive territory at plus 03. It's minus 09 today. You can see how that chart has looked very similar to the chart here. Now, when you talk about COVID and how it's affecting the economy and the dislocations between the economy and the markets, uh, one chart really jumps out at me, and it's, and it's a very uh, important chart. This is copper versus Dow Jones Industrial Average year to date. We all know copper's got this special quality. I used to call it the sentinel commodity. It kind of shows you the way, especially from an industrial perspective. But there's no doubt that those, uh, that chart, they're cross-fertilizing each other. So you can say what you want about the dynamics of the economy or a couple of bumps in the road on initial claims, but that chart is pretty clear. Finally, foreign exchange markets. Listen, we all understand different dynamics, as I pointed out, when interest rates move together for various economies that have different dynamics. But in Europe, especially of late, their currency, the notion of shared debt, the notion Christine Lagarde has corralled the cats, things may be you know, more stimulative. Well, look at the euro. It's getting crushed today. Maybe it's taking a breather. Many think it's this COVID uh, uptick that we're seeing. Read some stories about France and, and Germany. But, but nonetheless, it is a rampant spike, and maybe it's needed because it's had a good run. And look at what it's done to the dollar index. Dollar index is flying up right now. Carl and Jim, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see you in a few minutes. Uh, Rick Santelli. So uh, we got markets right here. Just about all sectors are in the red. Tech is eking out some small gains. And we got the VIX up to 24. Back in a moment. 
In a sign of the times, Taco Bell continuing to expand their digital footprint, launching a new Go Mobile concept for their restaurants today. The strategy includes a reduced dine-in footprint while expanding drive-through lanes and encouraging customers to order ahead on an app. Jim, uh, sort of rings similar to this upgrade of Shack today over at Webbush, where they're saying COVID is helping fast food in, in just the same kind of ways it's helping tech. Uh, same thing with Chipotle, which has got a hundred of these drive-throughs, the Chipotle lanes. They make a lot of money with them, taking it up to a thousand. I think Taco Bell's being very opportunistic here. Uh, by the way, remember that Starbucks is going to do same same small small format stores. This all has to do with the ability of a large company with a big balance sheet to be able to say, you know what, we're not going to do big stores anymore. We're going to do little stores because we can't have a lot of tables anyway. But what does the independent restaurateur have to do? They can't do this. And, and that's why the big keep getting bigger. And Yum is a buy. I think Yum is it's not doing as well as as, uh, as Chipotle. But these places can pivot. And uh, the large the large companies, they can go anti-COVID. They can pivot. They can do curbside. I mean, mm-hmm. yum, yum, they're calling them bellhops. People can bring it out to you. You can't get that kind of help at a smaller outfit because everybody's either behind the bar or they're in the, they're in the kitchen, a waiter. They don't, nobody in the independent has the ability to have bellhops. So uh, look for this. This is a very positive sign. And a lot of people feel that they had been missing the boat. Yeah. You know? So this is a, a nice response. Yeah. Now they just got to taste better at Pizza Hut. And the commitment like you have to make, Jim, to change to change your footprint like that is not going to be undone by a vaccine. I mean, those drive-through lanes are there to stay, which is means this trend is going to be with us well, and uh, even post-COVID. Of, yeah, a lot of these real estate investment trusts, they can't say no to these guys because at least they pay. And they can kick other guys out, but they yeah. need this. Chipotle's, Chipotle's are yeah. uh, getting some great deals from the real estate investment trusts. Yeah, we're going to talk to Kimco uh, later on this morning. Oh, fantastic. Take a quick break here. Uh, yep. As uh, the Nasdaq is showing a little bit of life, up 16 points. Dow's down 76. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. Sometimes when a stock, a company, uh, gets two different pushes ahead of a quarter, it's a good sign. Palo Alto Networks, P-A-N-W. Nikesh Aurora, so smart. Two different firms say, you know what, uh, it's time. And uh, I've got to tell you, uh, this one, while it's just a few points from its high, can go higher because this is one of those work at home security and also firewall on prem security. Uh, Nikesh has been able to pivot to handle both. Uh, He has been a wizard. I think the stock goes higher. P-A-N-W. All right. Wow. Interesting, Jim. Um, So tonight, EL and I guess um, Um, you'll watch some of the it's hard. EL is canceled. I'm sorry. Tonight. No EL tonight. Yeah. No EL tonight. Um, disappointed, but what can you do? That's how TV works, man. Yes, it <laughs> is. I need Phil above. Give me Phil. He'll he'll get American Airlines. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Akamai, and we've got Ping, which is uh, working home security. I mean, they also do some other stuff, but uh, and I may talk about a wondrous dog tonight. A dog that can hunt better than any dog in the world. You know the name of my dog, and it's Nvidia. It is indeed, Jim. Has been for a long time. Yeah. Well, since 110. Yeah. I did rename (laughs) my dog Everest NVIDIA because NVIDIA needed more love and gets all the love from the stock market. Some of the luckiest pets in the world, Jim. Uh, We'll see you tonight. Thank you. Mad Money, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time, of course. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.